Hey, if you have your Bibles, if, you're gonna, if you'll turn with me toward the back of the Bible, it's uh, a little epistle, which means letter of 2 Peter. Uh, we're going to look at 2 Peter 3.18, one of my favorite verses. You're going to recognize this verse. We, we actually use this verse, have incorporated this verse into our children's blessing as we begin our, our new year. So we'll look at God's word. We'll bounce it around a little bit. But again, let me say a happy new year to everybody. 2022. How does that feel? How do, how do you wear 2022? It's just kind of crazy uh, to think that that is where we are. Um, I don't know about you, but nowadays when you got to give your, your vital information, especially your birth date, uh, and you start looking and they, they maybe have to go back to find your date of birth. And I'm spinning back further than I ever thought I would have to. I'm like, what in the world? Uh, but anyway, God has given us a new year. Uh, let me ask a question. How many of you here and online, how many of you have made New Year's resolutions? All right. Uh, we, have, we have one here. Have anybody else? Come on. If you, so I have two? No? Two? How many of y'all have made New Year's resolutions? Well, uh, I hope that if you have, you're doing well. Today's the second. So, man, you're two days in. It's interesting. Forbes magazine... Uh, back in January uh, of 03, so it was a little while ago, but back in January uh, of 03, it was actually January 1st, they ran an article about Americans and New Year's resolutions. And apparently, this is something that Americans love. Uh, this is something that, that we do. Uh, it would say that self-improvement, or at least the desire for it, is a shared American hobby. Let me say that again. It's interesting. Self-improvement or at least a desire for self-improvement, is a shared American hobby. Uh, what percentage do you think people make New Year resolutions? Any thoughts? Yeah, it, you know, it's, maybe it's a little less high than I thought. 40%. Uh, so just to give you a little comparison, uh, the Super Bowl is watched by about 33%. A third of Americans watch that Super Bowl event. But even more, more Americans are, are going to say, hey, I need a, a New Year's resolution. Forbes has gone on to say years later, the most popular New Year's resolutions are about self-improvement. That would make sense. Living healthier, 23% uh, say they desire to live healthier. Uh, interesting one here, 21% say desire to be happier. Man, I, I'm sure that all of us desire that, but you know, that was their, their New Year's resolution. H how do you make that your New Year's resolution? That I want to be happier. I mean, that's kind of an interesting thing. Uh, I can kind of relate to this. 20% uh, have a desire to lose weight. 7% um, said they're going to exercise. I love it. What an incredibly low number. Yeah, I, I need to exercise. I'm going to lose weight. But 7% say that. 5% um, uh, said they're going to stop smoking. Uh, uh, a couple percent say they're going to reduce drinking. Uh, some say they're going to increase drinking, but that's a whole other story. Uh, in addition, a lot, a lot of other things they say they want to deal with their job. You know, job goals are like 16%, improve relationships. But let me ask this question. What percentage do you think actually uh, achieved those New Year's resolutions? What percentage? 20 is too high. What percentage? 10 is even too high. 8%. Apparently, I don't know who, it was actually, it was a statistic out of Scranton, Pennsylvania, so I don't know where that came from, but they said 8% actually achieve New Year's resolutions. Well, 
again, this is just thrown in for a little extra for y'all. Forbes did give you a couple of tips to help you succeed. So if you're one of those 40%, you're one of those people who did it, here's what they say to succeed in your New Year's resolutions. Keep it simple. Uh, keep it simple. Make it tangible. Uh, not only that, make it obvious and keep believing you can do it. Well, again, it's a second, so maybe you've already done that. Well, I'm not going to start this morning with a New Year's resolution for King's Chapel, but we're going to start a new year in a, a spot where really, uh, as pastor of King's Chapel, what's incredible on my heart, not just this Sunday, but every Sunday, is that we grow. Healthy things grow. And if we're healthy, we are going to grow. And we're going to grow in grace. We're going to grow in the grace, and we're going to grow in knowledge, in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so that's the reality, is that not, hey, not necessarily a New Year's resolution, but what does it look like for you individually, and what does it look like for us corporately to grow? To grow not just numerically, but that would be nice, because we'd like to have a greater impact in our community, but more importantly, to grow spiritually to grow roots down and to grow growth and faith upward. How do we grow? So we're going to look at scripture that says that we're going to we need to grow in grace and we need to grow in knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So again, our passage today, just one verse, or we're going to look at uh, 2 Peter 3, verse 18. Hear the word of the Lord. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, we are grateful for a new year. It feels like a new start. Uh, God, it feels like there's this new hope of, of all that could be this year. But God, we are more grateful for the new creation, the new start that we have through the work of your son, Jesus. That for those of us who have placed our faith and trust in you, that you call us a new creation. You tell us that we now have a life and a life that's abundant. And that God that one day that we will see you face to face. God, we're grateful that you haven't called us to just pull ourselves up by the bootstraps. You haven't called us just to, to work harder and to try harder. But God, you tell us that morning by morning, new mercy you have for us. And you tell us that great is your faithfulness. Because one thing that we have proven is that we are an unfaithful people. And we are sheep who are prone to wander. But God... You love us. You've given us your word and your spirit, and you're calling us to grow, to grow in grace and to grow in knowledge. Oh, Holy Spirit, would you come and be with us? Would you empower this message? Would you speak through a broken sinner like me? May the words of my mouth, may the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Would you give us ears to hear your voice? God, minds that would understand this passage of Scripture that hearts, they would embrace this truth. And God, may it settle into our, our very beings that we would walk in a manner worthy of this text, in response to this text. God, the things that I say are wrong or in my opinion, may those things fall away. But the things that are said that are true contain the power of the gospel. Use those things to, 
to make us more like our Savior, your Son, Jesus. And it's in his matchless name that we pray. Amen. The first thing you see is it says in this great passage, grow in grace. How, how do you grow in grace? Now think about grace. What is grace? Grace, watch this. Grace is God's unmerited favor to sinners. So if grace is God's unmerited favor toward us, how do we grow in grace? I mean, that, that, seems, that seems to be a little antithetical here. I mean, grace is something God gives us. I mean, grace is something that we don't deserve. So how do we grow in grace? How do we grow in that unmerited favor of God? And I really believe that this is telling us to grow. I'm going to look at a couple of words here. Grow in your standing in Christ. And I want you to see grow in your union with Christ. So, so growing in grace means growing in your standing in Christ, which is really the gospel. What God has done for us sinners in Christ Jesus, our standing, grow in that standing. So in Christ, Scripture will tell us that if we have placed our faith and trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, it's interesting the Bible says that we are in Christ. So being in Christ are those of us, by God's grace, who have embraced Jesus as Lord and Savior. We've surrendered our life to him. We've asked him to forgive our sins. We've confessed our sins. We are placing our hope and trust not on ourselves. We're placing our hope and trust in him. And so as you have come to that place, and listen, it's not about being baptized, although that's important. Or it's not about church membership, although that's important. This is about faith. This is God's grace through faith in Christ. So those of us who are in Christ, we have placed our faith in him. Uh, and, and in that reality, here's the beautiful thing. Our standing in Christ will never change. It'll never change. So again, the question comes up, well, wait a minute. If our standing in Christ never changes, how do we grow? If it never changes, how do we grow in that grace? Well, let me tell you, remind you that it, it, it doesn't change on our best day, our worst day, on our most faithful day or our most faithless day. This is who we are in Christ. According to Ephesians 1, 6, we are accepted in the beloved or accepted in Christ Jesus. That, that God's acceptance of us doesn't come because of the things we do or don't do. It becomes the reality of in Christ. That in him, we are accepted. And so that reality is not going to change. Not only that, that in Christ, his blood was shed for our sins. And his blood on the cross, it was shed for our sons, sins, covered not just some of our sins, but it covered them all. And so all of our sins are covered. All of the debt that we owe has been paid. That doesn't change. Well, it's Christ's righteousness. Christ's righteousness that robes us. It robes us on our best day. It covers up all of our filth, all of our sin, all of our brokenness, all of our weary, uh, waywardness. That doesn't change. And as Romans 8, 1 beautifully tells us that in Christ, there is no condemnation. That we can stand before a holy God. Think about that. We, sinners like us, who sin every moment of every day, we, in Christ Jesus, can stand in holy God's presence and have no condemnation. That in Christ Jesus, 
the guilty can be declared not guilty, and, and God is not doing some smoke and mirrors or something behind his back that you don't want to see. He's basically saying, here's what I've done. I took Jesus who knew no sin, and I made him your sin so that in him, this is 2 Corinthians 5, 21, you could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's what the gospel's about. That was what the cross is about, that we have been forgiven in Christ Jesus, and there is no condemnation. Our standing in Christ Jesus never changes. Hit pause. It's a pastor. You can't forget this. I know your emotions change. I know that you can have some better days and some bad days. I know that there's some days that you feel closer to God than you do other days. I know that there's even sin uh, seasons where maybe you've wandered and maybe sin has hardened your heart. You feel far from God. And there might be the reality. But we're going to talk about that fellowship with God. But your union with God, your standing with God in Christ Jesus cannot change. His love for you will never fail. You know what that means? If you're his, today you're forgiven. Today we are free. Today we are loved. Today we are accepted. Today we are adopted in Christ Jesus. I mean, let's dance. Let's, let's celebrate for what Christ has done for you. So, so, so how do you grow in grace in your standing with Christ Jesus? I mean, I'm, I'm kind of really trying to drill home this point that our standing doesn't change in Christ Jesus. It is what's called immutable. It's unchanging how great. So how, how do we grow? How do we grow in that grace? Well, we grow in that union with Christ, our oneness in Christ. In the gospel, the good news of what Christ has done for us, we have been united to Christ. There's a mystery about this. But God's word is going to tell us that we have been united to Christ in his life. That he represents us in life. He's what's called our federal head. As, as Adam represented all of mankind, Christ Jesus represents all of his people. And that as he lives, we live. And, and his righteousness becomes our righteousness. But scripture goes on to say, not only are we united to Christ in his life, watch this, this is amazing, that we are united to Christ in his death, his sacrificial death. Romans 6 will make it clear that, that, that death, Christ's death is our death as well. That there was his, his plot was for us. That we've been united to him in his death. But there's more. We're also united to Christ into his resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us a lot of Christ's resurrection. And it tells us that as Christ was resurrected from the dead, so are we. So we are united, our union with Christ. Now in Christ, uh, we have life. That he is our life. Uh, we have a union with him, uh, which gives us access to the Father. It's incredible. So what does it mean to grow in grace? Well, grow in our standing with Christ. Grow in your union with Christ. Watch this. Watch this. This is what it means is to live our lives out of this reality. That's it. See all of life out of the reality of who you are in Christ. You don't see life through your circumstances. You don't just see life through your own brokenness. Of course, you'll see things because of that. But you see life. You see yourself. You see that person in the mirror in reality to what Christ has done for you. That is the reality of how you see yourself. You live your life out of this reality. And if, if you do, 
Here's how you know if you will. You will have love. You will have joy. You will have peace. You will have patience. You will have kindness. You will have goodness, faithfulness, self-control. You'll have the fruit of the Spirit. You will live your life knowing that it's not about your record that ultimately matters and how well you're doing. And if you're keeping up with those New Year's resolutions, it'll all depend on Christ. You see, this is what it is to mean to live out the gospel every day in our lives, to bear the fruit of the gospel according to Colossians 1, verses 5 and 6. One of the devotionals I mentioned to you was Scotty Smith's devotional, uh, Everyday Prayers. That's one of the ones I'm doing this year. Last year I did Paul Tripp's uh, New Morning Mercies. And the new year started off with a reminder that Scotty Smith says, listen, the gospel's not just for those who are dying, although it's so important for them. The gospel is for those who are living, that every day we have to remind ourselves of who we are in Christ Jesus, to live out of that reality, to bear the fruit, to grow in the grace uh, of, of the gospel. Now, here's, here's what I want you to see in this. This is very interesting. I think this is where the gospel and religion divides. When we try to improve our standing apart uh, in, in, before God, now let me say that again. When we try to improve our standing with God or before God apart from Christ, we're actually moving backwards. Did you hear that? When we on our own try to improve, maybe be more moral, uh, we try to do better, uh, we try to do things on our own, and we are apart from Christ, we, we want to prove ourselves to God, we are actually going backwards. If, if you think that 2022 you're going to get closer to God because of the things you do, or because of your righteousness, or because of your acts, good acts, that you're going backwards that you're not going to improve your standing before God apart from God's grace in Christ Jesus. Who in the world would be foolish enough to substitute Christ's perfect, perfect righteousness for our filthy rags? But isn't that what we often do? Don't we often wake up in the morning and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to earn it today. I'm going to prove it before God. I'm going I'm to go out there and try to live a life, which is a good thing to try to do. But live a life... That I could give something to God and say, look what I've done for you today. It's kind of like a kid who wants to run home and he's got a star on his paper. He wants to put it on the refrigerator for the good works that he has done. Now, remember, God has created us in Christ Jesus to do good works. He's pleased with them, but he doesn't change his view of us because of our good works. He sees us in Christ's perfection. Shudder to think that he sees us with just our works of righteousness. Scripture says those works of righteousness done apart from Christ, they're filthy rags. And it's ugly. Let me put it this way. Let me give you a, an a, analogy, a, an idea I thought of. Let's say that God gave you a suit or ladies, a dress. That God himself tailored for you a suit, a dress that he wants you to wear. And this suit and this dress, it's perfect. I mean, it, it's, it's everything about it's perfect. It fits you. I mean, it's so nice. It's the greatest, the most comfortable stuff you've ever had. It's the absolute perfect fit for you. It's in style. It's fantastic. God gave you this suit. He gave you this dress. And he wants you to show up every day in your life wearing it. And what if you decided, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put on my own clothes. I, I'm going to try to, I'm going to put on my own stuff. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to show up with him saying, 
This is what I have done. And instead of your perfection, let me me make something for you. Let let me put this on and let me show up. He's going to be saying, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you wearing? You really think that, oh, you put that on instead of what I gave you? And you think that's going to make me love you more? You think I'm going to love you more because of what you've done? No, 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 no. I've given you my son's perfection. Wear that. Grow in grace. Grow in that standing. Live your life. Quit trying on your own to earn favor. You already have it in Christ. Yes, good works are important and doing the right thing is important, but not to earn anything because you received everything. We we often wrongly believe that God will love us more. Listen to this. We often wrongly believe that God will love us more because of what we do more than what Jesus has done. You know, back in the 90s, there was a, uh, a craze of what Jesus would do. Shelton, I think the guy wrote the book a long time ago, and it was, uh, uh, if you remember, it was WWJD. And again, the worst thing isn't WWJD. That's, that's not a bad thing. What would Jesus do? Uh, but people wore bracelets, WWJD. And people had it, you know, WWJ. What would Jesus do? I want to tell you something. There's something fundamentally flawed. It's not the gospel that says, what would Jesus do? It's not the gospel, because that just makes him a good moral example. It makes him teacher, and he's so much more. If you want to have this theologically accurate, wear a bracelet that says W-H-J-D. W-H-J-D. What has Jesus done? Man, he lived the life we failed to live. He died the death we deserved to die. He defeated death and was resurrected and opened up heaven for us. What Jesus has done, he has taken us who by nature are children of wrath, and he's made us beloved children in Christ Jesus. That's amazing. What has Jesus done? That should be our reality. Grow in the grace. Grow in that grace, that standing, that union with Christ. But not only that, grow in the knowledge. Well, how do you grow in knowledge? And this one's probably a little bit easier to understand. How do you grow in knowledge? Well, you grow in your understanding of Christ. Now, remember, you grow in grace by growing in your standing. Now you grow in knowledge by growing in your understanding, your your capacity, your understanding of Christ. And how do you do that? Well, you realize that Jesus is the point of the whole Bible. Uh, he He is the only hero of the story. Uh, The whole story points to him. All of the shadows find their fulfillment in him. All all of the promises of one to come, whether that was a seed or whether that was a king, whether that was a prophet, whether that was a priest, the one who was going to come to make all things new, it's all points to and is fulfilled in Christ Jesus. He's the one. I, I know I probably wear this out and tell it to you often, but... At the end of the Gospel of Luke, in Luke chapter 24, there's an amazing story there of Jesus, and he's walking on this road to Emmaus. Uh, This is after his resurrection. He's been crucified. Everybody could see clearly that this Jesus that many thought was the Messiah was crucified by the Romans. And now you have these two wonderful uh, uh, folks, uh, uh, Clopas, I think is one of their names, one of the names we were given, that are walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, And as they're walking, Jesus shows up 
along, alongside them and says, hey, guys, what are you guys talking about? And they're like, where you, have you been? You've been under a rock or something? I mean, we're talking about Jesus, man. We thought, we thought this Jesus was the Messiah. He had such power. I mean, he had such teaching. It was amazing. And uh, we thought he was the one. But they crucified him. And not only that, it's been three days since. And there were some rumblings about three days. And what Jesus does, he says, you know, you guys are like foolish that you're missing this. Was it not necessary that the Messiah must suffer? And so what he does, he says, he takes them back to Moses, the very beginning. He takes them to Moses. He takes them to the prophets. He takes them, you'll find out later, in the poets as well. He says, guys, it's all about me. It's all about the Messiah who would come and be broken so that you could be healed. It's, it's all points to me. And I love the fact that he says, I'm going to take you back to Moses. He doesn't just say, hey, this New Testament thing, this is a new God, this is a new thing. No, no, no. This has been the story all along. So how do you grow in your understanding of Christ? Well, you realize the Bible all points to him. You realize this is his story, that you read that and you see Christ, that Christ and Christ alone is the Savior and the only hope of the world, that he and he alone is the King, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that Christ, he and he alone is, is, is the source of hope. He's hope personified, that he and he alone is the source of life, and from him we have life and life abundantly. So we grow. We grow not only in our understanding of Christ, we grow in our communion with Christ. Remember, if grace is growing in our standing and union, this is growing in our understanding and our communion, our fellowship with Christ. 2022, walk with him every day. Walk with him every moment. We should continually talk with him and pray with him conversation with him. We should be living for him, for the glory of our great God. We should be living for him. We should be serving him, uh, serving for him, for his glory. It's interesting because Ephesians 5.1 will say this, therefore be imitators of God as dearly beloved children, that we should be imitators of our great God. Now, remember, you cannot imitate what you don't know, right? So, if I were to ask you to come up here and, and I would like you to imitate my best childhood friend, David O'Connor, would you come up here and, and imitate David O'Connor? Just, you know David, he's awesome. You, you know, imitate David. If I called you up now and said, would you please imitate David O'Connor, my best childhood friend, you'd say, what? I don't know him. How do I imitate what I don't know? You see, God has given us words so we can know him. He's filled us with his spirit so we can know him. And he's called us, watch this, he called us to imitate him, not so that he loves and accepted us because he loves and accepts us. He's called us, and now we are to imitate him. Grow in the grace and grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, what do we need to grow as we, as we close? What do we need to grow? Well, first of all, it begins with our motivation. Uh, I love, even in this, if in this it says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him alone be glory, majesty, and dominion. That is our motivation. To him alone be glory. Why are we here, King's Chapel? Why are you here? It's for the glory of our great God. It's for the good of our neighbor. Our motivation isn't just self-improvement. Our motivation isn't that we're just a happier that we have somehow navigated life better in 2022, our motivation should be for the glory of our God. Uh, what is man's primary purpose or chief end? The Westminster Confession of Faith, Shorter Catechism 1 asks, it's for God's glory. 
to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. So our motivation to grow should be for God's glory primarily. But we also have to have God's Word. Uh, this is like the nutrients for us to grow. We grow with God's Word as we dig in. We need to have water. You need to have water to grow, right? Uh, Jesus gives us living water. That John 4 passage, that's the woman at the well where Jesus asked for a drink from her at this well, the Samaritan woman. She's like, well, you know, you don't have anything to draw from. He goes, well, if you know who I was, you'd be asking me for living water. He's like, well, where do I get this living water? Well, this living water comes by God's grace through faith. This living water comes through him, Jesus alone. So he gives us the motivation. We got to be in his word. We got to be well watered. Those things grow. Remember, humans can't live without water. Um, I, I have a brother-in-law who tells me repeatedly that beer has a lot of water in it. Um, and I don't know, I don't think that's the whole point. Uh, but even now, uh, carrying around a, uh, a water bottle, I'm trying to get into that habit of how much we need water. We always have that in our system. Jesus is living water. Always having that in our system. Always going to him. What else do you need to grow? You need light, right? Uh, Jesus is the light of the world. John 8, verse 12. Remember, unhealthy things grow in the dark, don't they? Unhealthy things grow in the dark. We're doing a little work in our bathroom. Uh, we pulled out our old shower, and I'm telling you, what was behind our, our shower wall was gross. It's disgusting. It's all that black mold, right? It's all that dank, dark stuff that grows in the dark. Yuck. But unbelievably, don't we know that same truth of our lives? Unhealthy grows in the darkness of our lives. Those things that, that sin that drives us to the darkness, we need to bring into the light of Christ. How do healthy things grow? Well, they avoid weeds. Man, do weeds grow in Florida like crazy? I mean, to, to have a good lawn, you've got to put all your money in fertilizer and water. I mean, it's terrible. It's like a curse. To have weeds grow, pff, they just grow like crazy. Um, Avoid weeds. It makes me think of Hebrews 12, 1. It talks about sin that so easily entangles. Weeds grow instantly. They grow easily. It's a constant battle. And Christians, so is our sin. Sin grows so easily. We need to continually repent, continually believe, continually to bring those dark things into the light. How do we grow? We grow with the Holy Spirit. We don't quench the Holy Spirit God has given to each one of us as his. He's given us a deposit guaranteeing more grace and love. He's given us himself. He's given us the Holy Spirit. We now are temples of the Holy Spirit. And we now bear the fruit of the Spirit. How do we grow? With the fruit of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. New Year's resolutions. They're helpful. If you made them, I hope you can keep them. But it's not as helpful is God's word. And what does God say to us? Grow. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Just that phrase, our Lord, our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Grow in grace. You're standing. Grow in grace. You're union. Grow in knowledge. You're understanding. Grow in knowledge, your communion with Christ Jesus, both now and forever. Amen? Let's pray.
And Father God, we're so grateful that we can begin this year, this day, being reminded of who we are in Christ Jesus. Being reminded that you have called us to grow in grace and to grow in knowledge. And God, this means that we grow in our gospel understanding. This means that we bear the fruit of the gospel, that we bear the fruit of the Spirit, that God, we live lives that is evident of your grace and mercy every step of the way. And God, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you at the end of the day, we're not just the people who wear WWJD bracelets and try to show the world what would Jesus do. We are to be a people who proclaim the reality. No, 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 this is what Jesus has done. And because he has done it, because he lives to intercede for us, that we can be forgiven and free, that we can start each day off with new mercy and new hope and great faithfulness of our great God. That this year doesn't hang in the balance with how faithful and good we're going to be. But this year is hangs on you and what Christ has done. Our, save, our sovereign God, our victorious King, and our glorious Holy Spirit. Oh God, for your glory and for the good of our neighbor, may King's Chapel be a place that grows in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May we be faithful to you today, tomorrow. And until you return or till we come and see you, oh God, bless us to be a blessing, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.